Hello and welcome to Succeed Through Speaking, the place for experts and entrepreneurs who want high-value ideas to boost business results. Hello, I'm Tom Bailey and in today's Speaker Stories episode, I'll be getting to know Leanne Spencer, who is the best-selling author of three books, a podcast host, a keynote speaker, and is also a Bear grill survival instructor. So Leanne, hello and a very warm welcome to today's episode. Hi Tom, hello to everyone listening. Thank you so much. And just out of interest, whereabouts are you based in the world? I am in a quite sunny West Dulwich in South London. Very nice. And it is very, very sunny. It's, it's, it's probably the warmest mm. March I've ever felt personally. So yeah, great time of year. Yeah. Um, and I just want to just share a little bit more about you before we do get started. So Leanne began her career in sales and spent over 15 years working in the city of London before leaving in 2012 to set up an award-winning wellbeing company, where she's now a wellbeing consultant with over 10 years experience in the field of wellbeing and has 13 qualifications in exercise and nutrition. So Leanne, given that you're a bit of an expert, and it's fair to say on all things wellbeing, and you regularly speak on the topic, I'd love to know if you were a naturally born speaker or were things maybe a little shaky in the beginning for you? Well, it's interesting hearing that intro and, and thank you for that as well. What it doesn't tell you is, is the, you know, that, that's sort of the clouds. I could mm-hmm. take you into the dirt, as it were. Um, yeah. And whilst I have accomplished all of those things, I've also had sort of 10 years of alcoholism, which I overcame when I left the city in 2012. That's an interesting point to start at a huge gloss over a massive event. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I'd done a lot of presenting in my sales career. So I was quite used to getting up and standing in front of, of people, but in a very formulaic way and very fact based as well. One of the, uh, the the big leaps I've had to make in speaking, which we can draw out a little more, if you like, is going from delivering facts. The company was set up then. It was uh, formed by a collection of Canton banks in Switzerland, et cetera, et cetera to actually telling stories, and that was a huge leap. But to to kind of get back to the question, I had um, lots of experience presenting to groups of anything from one to sort of 10 in a sales meeting format. It was when I left the city, started out in wellbeing, which was really driven by by the drinking, by the city culture, by deep dissatisfaction of what I was doing. Uh, And then I I left and started off as a personal trainer, then became a coach. And then more recently, in the last few years, started working with companies. And I started to, to realize that the really rewarding stuff comes from stage speaking. Or, or public speaking in mm-hmm. general. That's where if, if your real purpose is to convey a message and try and compel others to consider making a change to their well-being or their way of life or their habits, you can do that on a one-to-one basis in a personal training or a coaching capacity. But the way to do it at scale is to get on stages, get in front of cameras, construct a message, make it about a story rather than the you know uh, ubiquitous three top tips for sleep, which yeah. people find helpful. But mm-hmm. if you can tell a story, it brings it to life. So that was a journey that I made over a period of a few years. And it was a leap for me, as I say, to go from delivering facts and figures to telling stories to bring this to life. I suppose mm. I started doing that in 2016 when I did my TEDx and they sort of dragged me 
well, I say that they, they wanted me to start telling more stories and I did, but they also wanted me to pack it full of statistics and facts yeah. to back up what I was saying, which I guess is the Ted way. They don't want to put someone on their stage and not talking about the effects of dieting on the, the human psyche. You've got to back that up with data. Yeah. So uh, it's definitely been a progression. Great. And I suppose when you're in the topic of behavior change or mindset, you know, really it's that storytelling for people to really feel the journey and, and really buy into that change that's required rather than listing a load of facts which they are going to forget three days later so yeah, it's that emotive side of it isn't it it's really important well it's that but it's also if you want to differentiate yourself because the speaking world is one like a commercial business mm. you have to win the business um then you have to go and deliver it uh then you need to try and make sure the impact of it's elongated for as long as possible so people yep. don't forget Anybody really can get enough polish to stand and deliver a set of statistics. Um, we've seen the government do it for the last two years. Yeah. There's no panache around that, but they're no. getting the message across. Mm -hmm. They're conveying the numbers and the data. The, the difference between doing that and, and, and true keynote speaking, I think, is the ability to tell stories in such a way that you grab somebody's attention and they remember it. And I know when I'm giving more factual-based stuff, perhaps in a workshop scenario, um, and then when I'm actually telling a story, I can see the difference. You can feel the difference in the audience interaction. Energy, and people yeah. will say to you, oh, the story you told about the Arctic Circle, you know, it may really made me think of this. Uh, that's, I think, the big difference as well. Yeah. And I guess when you provide a great experience to the audience, that helps you be referred to other keynotes and, and speaking Completely. opportunities yeah. because people say, Leanne was amazing. I loved her story. I'd love for her to come and talk at, at our business as well. Yeah. Great. So my next question then is around the, I guess, the value of speaking for, for business owners and people. So the question I always ask is, when you hear the title of this podcast, which is Succeed Through Speaking, what does that make you think of? Do you think that speaking is a really key part of success for business owners or, or for people in general? Well, I think it depends on what your goals are. Mm -hmm. um, if your goal, as mine is, is to try and convey messages around well-being to encourage people or give people information on which they can act upon around sleeping a little bit more or perhaps starting a meditation practice or doing a little bit more movement throughout the day. Um, if that's the goal and you want to get that message out, speaking is the way to do it. There's that aspect of it. Um, we're all financially motivated to one degree or another. Keynote speaking, um, if you've got the resources and you've got you know the the polish and the practice and a great message mm -hmm. you can be paid a great deal of money for that and treated mm -hmm. very well when yeah. you get there as well yeah. um so there's that side of things as well um it's also a, a great way to sort of to get business referred down so if you do a keynote speech you may get a couple of people in the audience that, that introduce you to their company but you may also get booked to do another one you may get booked to do workshops you may sell books so from a commercial perspective, it kind of you're starting at the top with the highest paid stuff, and then you also enjoy what may cascade down. So it depends on what your motivation is. Mine is all of those things. I want to convey a message. I want to be paid for that message. Yeah. I want to be paid well. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to enjoy the sort of the, the benefits of being referred out and working with different clients with different goals and objectives as well. Yeah. And I hear people talking about monetizing your message. And I guess, you know, sometimes you don't actually have to be paid to, to stand up and speak. Like you said, it could be. Yeah that by speaking in front of a room for a thousand people who are your ideal prospects or potential future customers, it's a great opportunity to leverage your time and, and get that message or pitch, you could say, in front of such a big audience uh, in such a short yeah. amount of time. Yeah. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Um, so let's think about then 
back to the very beginning. So what's your earliest memory of having to stand up and deliver a presentation and and how did it go and, and maybe what we'll do is we'll go back to the beginning of the well-being journey rather than the sales presentations mm-hmm. what was that first well-being presentation like well um as is often my way um sometimes the first time i do anything is a big event which most people mm-hmm. would say no 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 i need to start mm-hmm. smaller but yeah. it just so happens that my first opportunity to deliver my keynote for the first time happens to be a big audience um This wasn't a keynote per se, but I was asked, I was in a business accelerator group and they were running a marketing event where they'd hired out a big venue in the Barbican, filled it with 500 entrepreneurs interested in this Mm -hmm. accelerator. And they wanted um, previous alumni to come and talk about the impact it had. So that was the biggest audience I'd spoken to by some distance. Yeah. And I spent weeks dreaming about it at night, um, rehearsing, 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 rehearsing. Dreaming, you know, that I would never be able to remember it all, then waking up feeling, no, I'll be fine. This sort of constant process of internal rehearsal, slight panic, excitement, apprehension, the whole shebang. Anyway, on the day, it went very, very well. Um, right. I mean, I look back now and I see it and I think, you know, now yeah. I, I could do a lot better than that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that was the first one. It went fine. I've never broken down on stage, never not been able to remember what I was going to say. Um Actually, slightly before that, I went to another event where I had to pitch my business in front of about 100 people and a panel of four judges. And I did have a momentary lapse in what I was going to say, of forgetfulness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then all the judges were writing and then they all looked up at me because there'd been this gap and it came back and I went on. Speaking has been something that's created a lot of nerves for me. Yeah. Um, for me, the trick is to keep it simple. Um, remember things in groups of threes. The power of three is really mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. Although there's a caveat that I'll give you on that in a minute. Yeah. Um, know your stuff. I don't do rehearsal to the mirror or rehearsal to, I don't click on a Zoom and run a session. But as I'm walking the dog, as I'm walking about, I'm rehearsing. I'm rehearsing different ways I'm going to open, rehearsing different ways I'm going to deliver it. And then I start weaving it into conversations I have with people. Nice. So, you, you know, if I bump into you on a pavement, you say, how are you? I'm not going to start going into a quick, quick piece of my keynote yeah. <laughs> but i'll work it in i'll say mm. oh you yeah, i'm not sleeping well at the moment but did you know they sleep la 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 <clears throat> oh i'll tell them the story i'll find some organic way in which you can come up in conversation boom you've done a little rehearsal so that's that's kind of and i still do it that way as well and and, and that's really important to i guess you're practicing without the pressure so there's so much pressure when you've got a live audience in front of you for the first time so you get those little bits of practice in um and like you said it's not just standing in front of the mirror it's actually being in front of real people and and getting those conversations out there yeah it's, yeah. it's a great tip i think another thing, way just on that yeah. another way to practice is to set mm-hmm. up is to put your iphone into a tripod yes. and practice that um i look at some of the first videos and i look so i appreciate that listeners can't see me but i look so sort of earnest and mm-hmm. you know really um a little bit edgy it's hysterical i'm just like come on smile lighten up yeah. you know deliver it with a bit of you know be relaxed but you know it's your first first time you're speaking to a camera which is completely different from speaking to an audience of course and i started doing weekly videos i committed to doing a video a week <clears throat> um we called them the thrive and fives i'm still doing them today um and then we you know we can do it really easy now but it got me pra- practicing talking to a dot which is what I do most of now. Talk to a dot on a laptop in a room on my own, possibly with a dog in West Dulwich. Mm-hmm, yeah. And there's a bit of live stuff, but that's still where we're at. Yeah. Uh, and that's great practice as well. It's great practice for virtual. Who knew that that was going to become such a big thing? But it's great practice just talking 
without necessarily getting feedback because then when you do get the feedback that can be an added bonus with a live audience yeah lots lots of great advice and value there so just to reflect on some of that um i remember one of the big mistakes that i made when i first started so I had a big fear of public speaking and i wanted to control everything because i just didn't want anything to go wrong so my first big presentation i word for word memorized the whole script oh, printed yeah. out it's a big big mistake i now know um because ultimately when you're delivering that if if you get one word wrong it'll just completely yep. throw you so yep. i think for anyone listening yeah don't when it comes to preparation don't try and re- memorize and recite a script it's, it's much more natural like you said um, it could go in different ways on the day you, you, as long as you've got the, f- the flow and the structure and the format and you've got your key analogies and stories and um, you really don't need to memorize it word for word is, is what I'd say on that definitely not so when I when I did TEDx the coach wanted me to memorize it and because I was new into speaking this is about seven years ago because it was TED and I give a lot of power to that mm-hmm. Um, yep. I, I allow I allow myself to be persuaded to do that. And in the 10 week build up process, you spend eight weeks rehearsing in an empty, you know, in the lounge, getting halfway through and going, oh, I've exactly. forgotten it. Oh, yeah. I'll start again. Then you, yeah. then the more you do it, the more you slip up. And then you just and I had many thoughts thinking, I, I'm just not going to be able to do it. I'm going to have to tell them I can't do it. I can't learn it. It's not going to happen. And then one morning you wake up with about 10 days to go and it's there. It's in. But yeah. it is very stressful. And now looking back at that TEDx, I can see the couple times when I thought what's coming next because my eyes just dropped to the floor and then I lift it back up to the audience because it's come back. Mm-hmm. I know they probably don't or yeah. a speaker coach might. Incredibly stressful way of doing yes. it. Know your stuff. If it's stories, and this is another reason why it should be stories and not facts and stats. Facts and stats, you can get mixed up. Um, But stories, you can't. If it's your story, it's a personal experience or a story you love that someone else has told you and you've got permission to retell, it's, it's, it it can't be, no one can say, well, that's not true. And you can't forget it. It's a story. Mm -hmm. So you'll relax and you'll tell it in a relaxed way with humor and facial expressions and gestures and the audience will will pick up on that energy and they'll give it back to you and boom, you're in a great speaking, uh, speaking forum. I love that. So have you got any advice? A lot of people I work with hate being the center of attention. And and when that comes to a social setting and being the center of attention sometimes means telling a great story and and having that table, I guess, around you watching and listening. That's very stressful for someone with social anxiety. Have you got any tips around how to get better at telling stories, not on a stage, but actually just in and around social situations? Hmm. I mean, I've, I've been doing a lot of practice around telling stories myself. I tell loads of stories in social settings, but they're not mm. all are suitable for a stage. <laughs> yeah. A lot of them are about the old good old days. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I would just perhaps start with games, games that mm. centre around storytelling, board games or games yeah. you've made up. Yeah. Um, push yourself into maybe telling a story. Just weave it into a conversation somehow. We could weave it in with a stranger you've met in the park so there's no sort of, you're yeah. sounding a bit weird. What, what yeah. are you telling the stories for? It's not like you. Mm-hmm. Um Start watching speakers who are really good storytellers and see how they do it. We, yeah. Everybody listening to this will be a storyteller. Mm. It may be in the written word or they may just not be aware that they are, but we're all storytellers. And that's we how are. we've conveyed information throughout the course of time. Um, so I would just start with a little anecdote or something and just, just tell it in a setting at some point and get comfortable with that. Yeah. Also, I think we tend to think that when you're on stage, you are the center of attention. You are the person that everybody is looking at. You are simply a conduit for a story or a message to be 
to be got. And what you're trying to do is actually reflect that spotlight onto the audience. It's about them. It's yeah. not about you. You are simply telling a story to get them hopefully to an outcome or a decision point. So actually, it's a nice little reframe in your mind to think mm. this isn't about me. I'm not the center of attention. Those 120 faces, they're the center of attention because what you've been booked for or what you're on that stage to do actually has nothing to do with you. Yeah, It has everything to do with the action that you want your audience to take. So if you reframe yeah. it that way, suddenly the spotlight's gone from you in the heat of the lights mm-hmm. to them. I love that. Yeah. Think about what 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 value can I add to these people in front of me? And that's a great reframe. Also. It's yeah. about them. Yeah. Thanks for that. So we've talked about people who are just starting out who want to maybe one day become a speaker and you've given lots of great advice and tips. So what about at the other end? So if somebody really want, has started speaking and they really want to become a paid keynote speaker that, that gets booked, what advice would you give to them to, to pursue that career? So I've just, I went through a speaker accelerator recently, which mm-hmm. highlighted a lot of really great stuff. And the key message is it's not about you. So in your marketing materials, it's about the message. It's about the value the audience will get. That's a huge shift that most people, all of us need to make to some degree or another. So if you're thinking about getting into speaking with a commercial element to it, then remember every every conversation you have or your marketing materials are about the keynote, the value and what the audience will get from it or what the booker will get. Mm -hmm. That's an important thing. Um, So on my website, you go to the homepage, then it's keynote then it's about me. No, then it's resources and et cetera. And the, the about me is actually towards the end. If someone's like, love all this, love the message, oh, you know, what's she all about? Um, so the question was about how to get into keynotes, paid keynote mm, speaking, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. Um, understand your value is the second key, key part. Most people massively undervalue themselves. Now, I don't suggest you go in at eight to 10 grand while you're beginning. Mm-hmm. Go in at a, at a rate that you're comfortable with um, and get booked up a few times at that, get the great feedback, get the testimonials, get, get someone to come and video you on stage. So you've got all that material, bump that price up a little bit. Um, always go in a little bit higher than you think you can justify yeah. Yeah. because you may have to do a little bit of negotiation, but, but val- overvalue yourself slightly. Mm-hmm. If the marketplace is telling you that we've seen your videos, seen your marketing materials, rich testimonials, we're not paying that, then you may have gone a little bit too high. Yeah. Most people don't go too high, they go too low. Mm-hmm. Get comfortable with your value. So ask people for feedback. Um, have, have maybe someone come to your gigs, someone that you trust, you can give constructive feedback and say, that was amazing. This, mm-hmm. this, and this you could work on and that'll help you to lift your value. So that would be the second point. I suppose the third is, is equally or, or more important than any of them, which is make sure you've got a message that people want to need to hear. Yes. Um, and make sure you're telling it via stories. <clears throat> and it's something that you believe in, not something that you think is, is, is what the market wants at the moment. So <clears throat> I've noticed that a lot of one of the reasons why in the intro I say that I've been in well-being for 10 years is because I have mm. and because that's a long period of time. But there are quite a few speakers I've noticed who are tacking well-being onto their list of topics now. And they're within their rights too. I don't have a monopoly on well-being and it's not like a chartered surveyor's qualification. If you know a bit about sleep and you've got a bit of a story to tell about well-being, you can call yourself a well-being speaker, yeah. but it's having that depth in that area that's made a difference for me. So um, make sure you stay in your lane. Yes. Or, or, you know, that I think is really important as well. Would you say it's important to have quite a tight niche just because there's a lot of speakers out there? And if you're a, a marketing yes. speaker, um, I guess you're up against a lot of other marketing speakers. So is it important to have that tight niche? 
Yeah, I think it is. I think it is in all aspects of business. And it's something that people feel quite reluctant to do because they want to keep it nice and open. So they get lots of inquiries. But Mm -hmm. you have a really tight niche. You know, if you can win 10 customers who really want to know about the well-being for the premenopausal over 50 year old women, then that's that's, you know, there's not going to be a lot of speakers honing in on that. Yeah. Then, then you're more likely to get to get brought in and asked to speak yeah. on that topic. So definitely find a niche, find some different angle as well. So I've got the Agile Business Athlete methodology, um, which essentially has this look at athletes and the way that they predict what's coming up, prepare, then perform, and, and ultimately recover afterwards. So there's mm-hmm. cadence to the way they do things. So I'm talking about um, well-being, resilience, sleep, mental health, energy in a different way. Yeah, encouraging people to really think about about sort of applying that methodology to their lives so that's that's my methodology it's entirely my ip Mm -hmm. nobody else can can legally talk about that in that context yeah Um, so that that again is a point of difference Mm -hmm. yeah and 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 also um you hadn't mentioned it there but right at the very beginning you've got your own personal journey and story with well-being your own challenges you've been through so being able to bring that in as well nobody else can have that because that's your personal story isn't it yeah and having right. said everything about making sure it's about the content and the audience and the value it absolutely should be but also be really clear on how you differentiate so yes. I've got the 10 years in well-being I've got the 13 qualifications in exercise and nutrition um I've also got I've got it written there so I can see it all the time the the biohacking experience so I understand how to use science and technology mm, to improve nice. and change your physiology yeah sometimes that's you know I bring little bits of that in mm. but it's a point of difference yeah and as you say the corporate background the experience so I talked to corporates I, I was there in those seats going through those pressures 10 plus years ago so I kind of understand what it's like to be on that side I'm mm-hmm. sort of being and, and that that for example Sometimes I might be competing against an ex-athlete mm-hmm. who's talking about who they're training and then recovering and how you can do that too. Um, and sometimes people will want that. Yep. And sometimes they'll think, well, the thing is the world of athletics doesn't really reflect our world. Mm-hmm. Whereas I can say, well, I do know that world. You, and you, it's not it, about being better yeah. than anyone else. It's about knowing your niche and understanding what the client needs and making sure you position yourself as, as what the client needs if you yeah. genuinely believe that's the case. Perfect. Thank you so much. Now, quite a topical question, but given that the 2019 global pandemic pretty much wiped out keynote and stage speaking, how did you personally have to transition during this period? So I've been doing for a number of years, I've been talking to a camera because we were doing Mm -hmm. these five and fives I told you about. So I wasn't uncomfortable with that element, but I hadn't been talking to a laptop professionally. No, no. (laughs) So if you look at my first webinar, which I'm not going to give you a link to, so no one will, but I didn't even have the camera on. Mm, First yes. one I did, I had the camera off. Yeah. And I can't, I mean, I look back now and think, well, what were you thinking? Yeah. Um, you know, anyway, so that was, a, and I wasn't that comfortable talking to a laptop at all. I mean, it's a very unnatural thing to do. Yeah, I <laughs> it's know. It's like asking a brickie to talk to a brick or, yeah. or the trowel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not, it's not a normal thing to do. But practice, you get used to it. And and it's, uh, you have to imagine as well, particularly when you're doing keynotes, I did one to 500 uh, senior leaders in Asia back in November. Um, I've got no, no, I wouldn't even want to look at 500 faces, even if I could on a a Mm. screen. You get used to talking to the dot at the top, the camera lens. You have to imagine, so you have to know your stuff. Um, You have to imagine that everyone on the other end of that, that laptop, on their own laptops, is literally there with open mouths beckoning their spouse to come over and listen to this because mm. you, you can't you've got to, you've got to imagine that's what they're doing yeah um 
there's no point thinking and don't ask for feedback and say does, does everyone get that because quite often it's broadcast only anyway mm-hmm. the uh there'll be an av team that are broadcasting it and you can't ask questions and get feedback from the audience it's an art it's a completely new art form aside from stage speaking and the only way to get comfortable with that is to do it and do it and do it um yeah, yeah you yeah. could you could do a zoom to a, you could do that your your talk to a small group of friends one thing i did when i i created a new keynote last year is there's a client called Dazone, the boxing streaming service. They run these monthly talks. And I said to them, can I come in and do a talk? It will be, I was honest with my contacts. It's a mm-hmm. new keynote. Your, your guys will get great value. Um, I will charge you a very, very small amount of what their budget is. I yeah. never normally speak for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but will you record it, send it back to me, and will you give me feedback? So nice. they were delighted. They got good value. I got yeah. the opportunity to practice in a live audience because I can't get excited about a fake audience. No. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. Just a Zoom and I'm pretending people are on the other end. I just can't get up for that. No. So it's a build up to it, but it is a separate art form. So anyone who's getting into speaking now will have to have a virtual showreel, in my opinion, mm. yep. and a stage showreel. They'll need yep. to be able to demonstrate that they can do virtual as well. So, so get practicing that get practicing, at the same yeah. time. And that you can practice your material in a virtual setting and then you're doing two things at once. Yeah. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's a great point around the finding opportunities to practice. So whether you're new to podcasting, whether you're new to virtual speaking webinars or stage speaking, you know, there's always going to be that opportunity to, to, to try a smaller version of it or a, a less well-paid version of it or, you know, a yeah. version with feedback. So yeah, there's definitely plenty of opportunities out there. Um, and I speak to people about podcasting occasionally. If you've never podcasted before and you want to, just do your first one. You don't have to actually publish it if it's no good. You know, just mm. just get that practice time in so that when it comes to the real thing, uh, you'll be a lot more comfortable. Yeah. Um, last question just on that then. Is virtual speaking here to stay? I think you just alluded to that. Or is the world going to bounce straight back to stage speaking in, in person? I think it, stage speaking is coming back. Mm-hmm. That said, you know, we're still we're still in a pandemic. It sort of doesn't feel like it and other world events have overtaken a little bit, but we are. Uh, I'm being asked to do, I would say, slightly more virtual than I am stage mm-hmm. at the moment. Yeah. It has its advantages and disadvantages, but I do think it will be here to stay. Yeah. Um, the advantage of not having to fly speakers across the world, the advantage of not having to bring delegates together. Um, some some organisations will opt to keep things virtual. I mean, if you're if you're selling into corporates, mm-hmm. a lot of them will not bring people together that routinely. They may do once a year or twice a year, but a lot of things um, are going to remain virtual. I definitely think so, and I think speakers will need to be able to demonstrate they can do both. Yeah. Um, I was told by a speaker bureau a couple of weeks ago, "Can you have you got any examples of you doing virtual?" I said, "I've got a, a virtual showreel. It's not yeah. very exciting because it's me in yeah. front of a cat, you know, me in front of a camera." Uh, but I have, and she said, oh, that's great, because that a lot of people are asking for that now. Brilliant. Good so I, I don't want to overload anyone who's just getting into speaking, but just start talking to your camera. Start mm-hmm. telling stories on dog walks or walks with your friend or telling little anecdotes or play a game. Tell your funniest story in sub two minutes or something like that. Um, I was going to say something else on that. And that's that's the other thing that people are talking about is the hybrid world. Yes. And that's something I would discourage anyone from thinking about because I just don't think you can do those two things well. I was asked to do it last week. I had a client that I know very well. And in the end, I said to them, look, I'm going to do this twice. I'm going to do it once in person and hardly yeah. anyone was there. And I'm going to do it once virtually. And there were a lot more people there mm. because you just can't. You're either talking to an audience or you're talking to a lens. Yeah. But you can't really do both unless you've yeah. got a great AV, ta- AV team. And even then. I'd be very reluctant. 
yeah, I understand that because, you know, you've, you've maybe got a camera on the right hand side of the screen. You've got to keep looking at it to try and engage that audience whilst you've then yeah. got a room full of real people. Um, yeah, perfect. Great. So great insights, great value, great advice. Um, last question from me today is if anybody wants to book you as a speaker or find out more about you, where can our listeners connect with you online? Uh, thanks for asking that. So my website, Leanne Spencer, L-E-A-N-N-E, Spencer.co.uk. Mm-hmm. Instagram, I've been dragged into Instagram by my marketing team. Yeah. Uh, so I'm building up that following, but I'm at Leanne Spencer Keynote, and that's the same for Facebook as well. Perfect. And what I'll do, Leanne, is I'll put those in the show notes so people can click on those and connect with you after this um, episode. Awesome. So... Leanne, thank you so much again for your time today. I really appreciate you coming along and also sharing such great value with our audience. Thank you. Thanks to everyone listening. Thanks to you as well, Tom. Appreciate it.